It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As the 2020 season rages on, the Locked On Reds podcast will be here each and every day to detail each win, each loss, and every transaction as the Reds look to move toward a playoff berth. My name is Jeff Carr. Welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today on today's show. We're going to talk about the Reds splitting the doubleheader with the Royals and therefore splitting the season series with the Royals. But we lead off with this. If you did not tune in last night, if you decided that you were going to take a night off from some Reds baseball, maybe hang out with your family, go do something, go be somewhere, not in front of your television, and you missed it, last night will go down as one of the most memorable nights in most Reds fans' memories for the foreseeable future, really. Tom Brenneman on air in between innings, a little bit before the seventh inning of the first game of the doubleheader, said a homophobic slur that made it on air. Uh, MLB.tv aired it as they, I guess the mic was hot whenever they came back from commercial and Tom was unaware. What he said, you can go look up exactly what he said. I will not repeat it. Uh, What he said was abhorrent, and I want to condemn it for what it is. It was hate speech. And regardless of, of what people are saying about a person's character, what his career has been to this point, that has all been erased by this moment, this one moment where... Honestly, like many are saying, when you hear the clip, it is obvious that it is a phrase he is used to saying, a word that he is comfortable using. This is not the first time he's used this word, probably not the first time he's talked about it in the booth, and the mic was open, which one of the first things they told me whenever I started at iHeartRadio in Cincinnati is when you're near a microphone, always expect that it is on. Always conduct yourself in front of that microphone as if it is on. And if you're saying something, make sure that it's not something that you don't want put out on air on accident. And that is what happened to Tom Brenneman yesterday. He was suspended by the Reds. They released a statement late last night saying the Cincinnati Reds organization is devastated by the horrific homophobic remark made this evening by broadcaster Tom Brenneman. He was pulled off the air and effective immediately was suspended from doing Reds broadcasts. We will be addressing our broadcasting team in the coming days. In no way does this incident represent our players, coaches, organization, or our fans. We share our sincerest apologies to the LGBTQ plus community in Cincinnati Kansas City, and all across this country and beyond, the Reds embrace a zero-tolerance policy for bias or discrimination of any kind, and we are truly sorry to anyone who has been offended. Tom Brenneman himself issued an apology on air during the second game of the doubleheader, 
it was at a time whenever Nicholas Castellanos hit a solo home run, and, and many are criticizing him and condemning him for, in the middle of his apology, calling the home run by Nicholas Castellanos. I'm not going to sit here and throw stones at the guy. I, it's an awkward situation. It is his first uh, inclination to call a game. So when something big is happening in the game, I can see where he would default to that and he would stop his apology. But that's led some people to question the sincerity of that apology. And I'm not going to sit here and do that. Look, the, the, the situation that happened was absolutely terrible, reprehensible. And I believe that the Reds should move on in their broadcasting team from this. I don't know. Uh, how they should go about that. There are some names. I don't know if George Grand is interested, at least in the interim, in calling some games. Maybe they'll move Jim Day into that role. I'm not sure. But what happened last night completely overshadowed what was an interesting night. Now, obviously, game one sucked because the Reds got shut out, but game two was awesome because Trevor Bauer was one hit away from a no-hitter. But just one more thing before we jump into the recap of those two games. I just wanted to note that uh, I'm for unity. I'm for bringing people together. I am for treating my neighbor as myself. That's what I try my best to do each and every day. I'm not always perfect at that. So Lord knows that I have no you know, perfect pedestal to stand on and, and toss stones at a guy who, who just said something that is so reprehensible is what Tom said last night. At the same token, though, this is definitely something that I condemn, and I would like to see the Reds move forward with this uh, and kind of fix what's happened. It's something that I believe the Reds organization as a whole very much support diversity, very much embrace all lifestyles. But this is not a situation that they can move slowly with. They, they've they got to right the ship, so to speak, with all of this and move on from Tom. I never want to talk about another person losing their job. That's just not cool. But in this scenario, it it just makes sense. All right, now that we have done that, let's talk about these two games real quick. Game one, Brad Keller continued his dominance. He continues to not have an ERA because he continues to have not allowed an earned run. The Reds were not able to hit him. They did not put very many runners on base at all. Jesse Winker was really the only guy that gave Brad Keller fits. He kind of owned the rest of the lineup. And it wasn't as as dominant as a performance as saying like, oh my gosh, he he almost threw a no-hitter. In fact, they brought in Trevor Rosenthal in the seventh inning that after A. Eugenio Suarez hit into a double play, the Reds still had two runners on base. Uh, that were, They were able to get a couple of runners on base via singles and a couple things like that. So there was a little bit of tension for the Reds, but Josh Van Meter quickly struck out against Trevor Rosenthal, ending what was a very quick game. It was almost as if the Reds didn't want to play that first one. But then in the second one, things changed. Trevor Bauer came in and did his thing, striking out everybody, gave up just one hit, 
while striking out nine guys and absolutely dominating performance in his fourth start of the season. He now has 41 total strikeouts. And based on that whole deal with Budweiser making Cincinnati-specific Budweiser cans, all he has to do is get five strikeouts in his next appearance, and Budweiser will make those uh, special cans. I, I could say, you know, Knock on wood. I'm not going to, I don't want to jinx him or anything, but I got a good feeling that he's going to hit five strikeouts on his next appearance because Trevor Bauer has looked absolutely phenomenal. Name another pitcher in the National League right now that you would give the Cy Young to over Trevor Bauer. I dare you, it'd be a hell of an argument because Trevor Bauer has looked absolutely phenomenal. And then on the hitting side, Jesse Winker's hot streak continues as he hits a home run. A. Eugenio Suarez joined him in the third inning. Both those guys hit home runs in the third inning off of Matt Harvey and chased him after that point. Matt Harvey did get the loss for the Royals in that game, game two that was. But Suarez joined him as well. Then Nick Castellanos hit his home run. And Kirk Casale finished off the home run derby for the Reds and finished off the scoring as the Reds totaled five runs and won five to nothing after losing four to nothing in the first game. So, you know, I don't know if you if you did that whole on aggregate score thing, then the Reds won both games. Hey, there you go. Little positivity. Coming up here in just a minute, I've got Lucas Smith, the host of the Locked On Cardinals podcast, joins me to talk about this four-game series coming up between the Reds and the Cards. But speaking of positivity and things that are awesome, how about Built Bar? It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, and if you have not tried it, I swear these things are amazing. They've got so many awesome flavors, too. When you look at their lineup, they've got things like caramel brownie, mint brownie. They've got orange if you want the fruit stuff, cherry barcia if you like cherry garcia when it comes to ice cream. I do. I know I love cherry garcia. All these great tasting flavors, and if you go to BuiltBar.com and enter the promo code Locked On, you'll get $10 off your next order. That's $10 off your next order. Not your first order, not your second, your third, your fourth. Whatever your next order is, if you enter the promo code Locked On, you'll get $10 off that order. It's just that easy. Go to BuiltBar.com and enter the promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to get $10 off your next order of healthy, delicious protein bars that taste like candy bars. Seriously, guys, these things are amazing. They fit into any diet, and you can get $10 off your next order just by entering the code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. Alrighty, so for for this part of the Locked On Reds podcast, I have with me Lucas Smith, dude who is in charge of the Locked On Cardinals podcast. The Reds and Cards start a four-game series today, and I wanted to get the man in here himself, do a little bit of a crossover action. Now, obviously this was supposed to be the entire episode. Things changed a little bit. That's how news goes in this 2020 world, but uh, anyway... Lucas, how are you doing, man? I'm good. Uh, I took over the, the show two weeks ago, and I, I've finally been able to talk baseball on my show. It was it was COVID-19 for the first four or five episodes, but I'm good. Cardinals are back to playing baseball, so I can't complain. Dude, we are happy to have you here with the Lockdown Major League Baseball Network, and glad to have you on the show as well. I, I, I know I cannot relate super much. I know we had like a four-day 
layoff for the Reds based on yeah. a COVID-19 test. So that's not near as much as what the Cardinals were going through, but we are here. We are playing baseball. Let's talk about it. So the Cardinals have had a couple of games under their belt ever since the rash of positive tests. What have the Cardinals look like? Who is back? Who's still on the shelf? Give me kind of a quick 30,000 foot overview of the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, it's been about as good as you can expect in terms of them coming back. You, you're going to have to live with some inconsistencies, but, but I think what really hurts right now for the Cardinals is you have really good lights out pitching that you've seen for the last couple of days. They've seen 11 different major league debuts in the last five days. Um, I think seven or eight of those coming on the, um, on the, on the, on the mound. So you like what you see in terms of the young pitching, but it's also at the same time, very young pitching. So a lot of walks coming in recently and, um, but in terms of the COVID-19 cases, I know that um, everybody that had tested positive has been cleared to return to, quote, light baseball activity. Nice. So take that what you will. Um, you got guys like Yadier Molina and Paul DeYoung are the two big names that the Cardinals are missing right now. Um, but, you know, they, they, are, they, they took two out of three against the White Sox and then lost two out of three to Chicago. And they, it just looked like at different times in those series like they were going to be great, and then at different times in that series like they were a Triple A team, <laughs> which is uh, you know what you can expect I guess from a 17-day layoff. Absolutely, that that was something that when I was watching I was like, oh man, I want to see what they look like coming back. And and I know that looking at just the probable starters for this four-game series, the Reds at least. As of recording right now here on Wednesday night, the Reds are not scheduled to go up against Jack Flaherty, which I can't say that I'm uh, super sad about that. But <laughs> on the other end of the spectrum, the first couple of starters, I know Adam Wainwright has looked pretty decent in his first few starts as well as um, Hudson, uh, Dakota Hudson as well. He'll be in game two. Uh, tell me what we're looking for from from Wainwright because it, it seems like he's pitched ever since, uh, you know, before the designated hitter was even a thing in the American League. <laughs> he's been around a while. Um, and what you can expect from, from Waino is a lot of curveballs. And you, you, you think, you know, guys at 39 years old, you think somebody would be able to touch his curveball. But he, it seems to be getting sharper and, and later bite as he gets older. Um, I remember he he started a game in 2017 against the Pittsburgh Pirates, and it was his first start in like two months. And ever since then, you know, he'll have his starts where he'll go three or four innings, but he's been very consistent. I mean, he was the Cardinals' best pitcher in last year's postseason, um, and he looked really good against the White Sox um, up until uh, tonight when Oviedo went five. He's been the only Cardinal starter to go five. Um, so if his curveball is good, then he can dot his fastball enough and his cutter um, that he— he can keep people off balance. And Dakota Hudson's an interesting character just because of his sinker baller. He's got a really good sinker. And at times it almost runs into trouble with him because he can't control it. He's got, you know, a sinker runs at about 95 miles an hour and he walks a lot of people because he'll start it on the, you know, on the inside corner and it'll just drop farther in because he just doesn't know how much it's going to break. Um, and his MO Hudson has been the first inning. Um, his ERA in the first inning is about four runs higher than it is in the rest of the, uh, innings in his start that might not be exactly right but it's somewhere it's that much disparaging um, so the key to Hudson and is really the first inning um, and if he gets past that first inning he's been fine all year what can you tell me about game three starter Kwang Hyung Kim well I mean he was one of those cardinal signings you know that was kind of a, a head scratcher really all cardinal signings are head scratcher to me but that's that's a <laughs> discussion for another time sure. um, 
But he he um, came in as the closer. Actually, he he closed in game one against Pittsburgh. That was that three years ago. It seems like now. Um, <laughs> but he he was a closer. He didn't pitch great, and he pitched in uh, game one of the doubleheader. Went three and third innings against Chicago on Tuesday, um, and that might have been on Tuesday. But he went three and third. So he's he's that guy. He's got good stuff. He's got a, he's got a good breaking ball that he uses a lot. Breaking ball and slider are his two main pitches. The Cardinals signed him uh, out of the KBO league and he won two Cy Youngs over there. So he's got the track record. This is just his first major league start. So I think that, you know, there's really not, not much of a book on him other than he's got good breaking pitches and he gave up a home run, I think in each of his first two appearances. So if he keep the ball in the park, he'll do fine. I know he's a guy that when I saw the probable starters, I'm like, I don't know really too much about that guy. So I'm curious to see because the Reds have made guys who not necessarily are known to everybody look like Cy Young candidates. So who knows? Quan Hung Kim <laughs> could come out of this as a Cy Young candidate. And then the fourth starter, Daniel Ponce de Leon, probably de- definitely top three name in all of baseball, right up there <laughs> as far as some of the best. But when it comes to pitching against the Cincinnati Reds, he's had three career starts against them, and he's pitched pretty decently. I mean, he's not he's not like, you know, no hit them, but at the same time, they've not really hit him either. What's he look like in his first couple of outings in 2020? Well, I think it was against his his major league debut was against the Reds and he went six no-hit innings yeah. and gave up a hit in the seventh. So, yeah, he's been close a couple of times, but uh <laughs> Stone, he's really only starting because Miles Michaelis got hurt. Um he got hurt in spring training and again in summer camp, then he started twice. Um against Minnesota and Chicago. Didn't make it out of the fourth inning either time, but he, he struck out eight against Minnesota on Jul- in July and seven against Chicago um, uh, Tuesday. So he's got a lot of, he's got a really solid fastball. And what he runs into trouble is he likes to elevate that fastball. And when he, whenever he doesn't get ahead, his fastball tends to be up naturally. So he walks a lot of people. He walked three, three batters um, against Minnesota and two against Chicago. So he runs into trouble with control. Um, but if he gets ahead and, you know, he has mediocre breaking stuff. His curveball's nothing to write home about. But his fastball is electric, and he throws it 70% of the time. He's an old-school kind of guy in that respect of just, you know, here's my heater. If you can hit it, great, but you're probably not going to. Uh, he's, he's got a lot of confidence with the heater, so just be looking out for that. And also look for Sunday's game to be an extremely long game. Ponce de Leon is a slow worker, so a lot of fastballs and a lot of time taken up on the mound for Ponce. I know that as the lineup goes, most people are looking at Paul Goldschmidt. Is he still the linchpin in this lineup, or who is the main guy that you're looking for in this series? Well, it seems to change day to day. There are days that Paul Goldschmidt can look like he has a hole in his bat. He's he's, he's swung the bat well recently. He's hitting over uh, 350 with um, the last couple of games. But, yeah, he, he's the guy that really can is, is the one guy that you can probably count on. But in terms of other other guys that have stepped up this year, Brad Miller has been a pleasant surprise for St. Louis. He was another signing that I scratched my head at. But so far, Moselak looks like a genius for signing him. Um, he was he hit uh, two home runs and a doubleheader uh, against Chicago on Tuesday. Had another RBI hit today um, or Wednesday. So he, he's a guy that you know it might have just been a good series for him. But he he hit really well against Chicago. And then the top of the lineup is what it really sets the tone. Colton Wong and Tommy Edmond, second base and shortstop. Um, they're, they're not going to hit the ball out of the ballpark. They might not hit the ball to the track, but they're going to get on base. They, they know how to get the ball out of the infield. Um, and then beyond that, you got a lot of young guys in the lineup. Dylan Carlson has been struggling. Um, Harrison Bader, I just don't think he needs to be starting right now. 
Dexter Fowler's having a decent year. He's hitting over 300, which is a pleasant surprise. And, uh, and, and at the catcher's position without Yachty, that's been a struggle. Kisner and Weeders, have neither, neither one of them have gotten go, going. Weeders without a hit. So I think two names two, two names to keep your eye on. If I had to give you two outside of Paul Goldschmidt, it'd be Brad Miller and Tyler O'Neill. Tyler O'Neill is not hitting for a high average, but he's got three home runs. So those are the two names outside of Goldschmidt that I'd give you to keep an eye on for this weekend. Overall, you have the king of small sample size as far as to <laughs> like evaluate the Cardinals right now. But based on your expectations coming into the year and what you've seen, where are your thoughts on the Cardinals currently? I think they're they're right at where you, where you can expect them to be at. I'd, I'd like to see them at a game or two above 500. Baseball is a game of inches. I think if one or two things go the Cardinals' way in the second game with a doubleheader tonight, then they might be. Um, seven and six instead of six and seven. I like their pitching. I think their pitching has been, I, I've hit this, I've beaten this horse dead on my own podcast, Locked on Cardinals. Their pitching has been their bread and butter the entire year. No matter who comes in, you have maybe one or two bad innings out of a guy, but out of horse of a game, but their pitching has been absolutely lights out. And that's why I think that even with a probably mediocre to above average at best lineup, that this pitching has really saved the Cardinals this year, and I think that that's the reason that they can shut down offenses like the Cubs and the Reds. Their, their pitching is going to is going to be what propels them to the playoffs if they get there. Boy, that sounds eerily similar. We're hoping for just a couple of runs from the Reds lineup too. So <laughs> it's yeah. going to be it's going to be an interesting series. I know, like you kind of like you mentioned, you're worried about Ponce de Leon on Sunday. We've got Wade Miley pitching for the Reds on Saturday. All we know is the two starts that he's had as a red have been terrible so i don't know what he's going to give st louis on saturday but it could be a high scoring weekend in st louis i I think and and the reds have been playing this way here lately obviously uh they've split with a couple of teams that i thought that they could win the series of i think that we probably see a four game split where's your thoughts out on that yeah i i think a split is you know, is probably what what we're going to get, especially when you look at the probables. If I had to give my game by game um, prediction, which is which has have not been good, so take it with a grain <laughs> of salt. The last two double headers, I've guessed right, but I've gotten the the games wrong. I think that the Cardinals actually lose tomorrow because I love Sonny Gray. I don't know if how much you've talked about him, but I think he's one of the most underrated pitchers in today's game. Um, so I think the Cardinals lose Thursday and Sunday, and that they win Friday Saturday. I don't, I just don't like. I know I like Ponce. Overall, I just don't think he pitches well against Cincinnati with that offense. So I think a split is what you're going to get. And I've actually been surprised that the Reds are just 9-12. and 12. Um, But I, I think a split is, is what you're going to get. I think the Cardinals win uh, Saturday, Friday, Saturday. I'm pretty happy with Sonny Gray, too. And I, I think it's funny because every <laughs> so often there will be a corner of Reds' Twitter that tries to find some Yankees fans that are still mad about losing uh, Sonny Gray to the Reds and it's it's just funny to see because he has pitched amazing he set the record for most strikeouts by a Reds pitcher in his first five starts of a season and Trevor Bauer responded to that with hold my beer so we'll see exactly (laughs) how he finishes out this Wednesday night start against the Royals but that's another guy that the Cardinals are going to miss Cardinals won't get Castillo or Trevor Bauer the Reds won't get Jack Flaherty it's going to be interesting to see how this series evens out lucas smith i i appreciate you coming on the podcast man we've got locked on cardinals on all podcasting platforms that you can find where can we find you on twitter 
at LJ Fastball. I've had that Twitter name for a very long time. I'm pretty proud of it. So at LJ Fastball, go and give very me a follow. Nice. And I tweet my reactions throughout the game. So I hope you enjoy that as well. Absolutely, Lucas. Thanks for coming on. We'll talk to you again soon, dude. No problem, Jeff. Good luck this weekend. That'll do it for this extra long version of the Locked On Reds podcast. Lots to get to in this episode. And uh, yeah, that's why it took a little bit longer to fill. Now, tomorrow, we're going to have another long episode because tomorrow I have Bobby Nightingale with me on the podcast. We're going to talk about, well, everything Reds. We're going to get his take on how the Reds are doing right now. If he thinks that they can kind of hit that stride that's going to vault them into the team that we know they can be, and I want to get his take on what the Reds are going to do here at the trade deadline as well. You're not going to want to miss that. So make sure that you're subscribed on whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to. Also, follow me on Twitter at Jeff Gar with three Fs and follow the show at Lockdown Reds on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as well. But that'll do it for us here today. Now tell your smart device to play Locked On Fantasy Baseball, and I will talk to all of you tomorrow. Let's go, Rex. Hey. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 